0: All right, here we go. All right, all right, all right. International students. It's time for medicine. F1 pod, F1 pod, F1, F1 pod, yeah yeah, 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 yeah. Let's go, let's go. <laughs> international students. It's time for medicine. All right, international folks. It's time for the f podcast. Go.
1: back to another episode how have you been Zach
0: um I've been pretty well um this semester is almost over hard to believe it even though I felt like I was just doing like Christmas shopping and like in winter break but I guess one of the biggest thing that's coming up is I'm doing my qualifying exam soon that is finally set in stone end of July I'm super looking forward to going back to China maybe for the summer and haven't been back for three years Um, yeah even though my parents came and visit I really need to go back enjoy some great food see my grandparents and and you know get my visa which is another Mm -hmm. thing that's forever looming over our head so you know just gotta get that (laughs) old yes Yes. how about you
1: I'm doing good you know same stuff um wrapping up some internships and final projects oh I did donate blood for the first time today so i'm feeling a little queasy Um, but i did hydrate and drink a lot of juice so you know well enough to um record this obviously but yeah it was like a unique experience i'd never donated blood before but i saw that they were doing it at bmc and i was like you know what today is the day so i went i did it they took really good care of me um and yeah i've just been laying low relaxing as much as i can (laughs) during finals week um, but yeah, that's pretty much what I've been up to.
0: Yeah, we would love to have our listener considering donating blood, as you can, as you can see, Raghavi made it to our recording. That means don't yeah. blood does have, like you know, minimal impact on your productivity and your e- energy. So hopefully, um, you all can give it, um, you know, give it a try. It is, I think, something that they have been advertising for a while. I know they're in desperate need of blood all the time. So. And yeah, yeah
1: definitely. that's
0: super exciting too. You are finishing up, heading to medical school, and I I'm know sure this is, what, must be a big time of transition. Finishing up here uh, at Austin and thinking about where to go next, but we'll keep that as a suspense. We'll let you decide. <laughs> I don't know where I'm
1: going next. yet, so
0: exactly the listeners so will
1: know when I know.
0: <laughs> let let our listeners know. You know when you know where you're gonna be in the next yeah you know, for the next four years. Or sad to have you mm-hmm. leave Boston, but you know, it will be great mm-hmm. that the whichever mask you choose is gonna be lucky to have you.
1: Aw, thank you, Zach. That's so kind of you. So let's introduce our next guest, which is why we're here. Um, we do have a very exciting guest joining us today. His name is Dan. Dan is a third year medical student at Columbia University, the bachelor's. College of Physicians and Surgeons in the Bassett program. Um, you will get to hear his wide range of experiences and his unique perspectives on life and the world of medicine, of course. Um, Dan attended Harvard, where he graduated with a major in human development and regenerative biology. And he also minored in classics. He also did martial arts, rode, volunteered, um, and also ran a project at the Harvard Innovation Lab on genetically mo- modifying bacteria, which actually digest plastic. So he's, you know, a top, top um, person in his field. And you'll get to hear a lot of exciting stories as well.
0: Yeah, this is what I will call the most Renaissance men I've ever interviewed. Um, as you can tell, <laughs> the experience he has had. And after graduating, uh I think this is the, the thing that really intrigued me the most um so after graduating from Harvard uh Dan spent a year in the Canadian subarctic in Yellowknife learning about Indigenous culture and history and trying to live life to the fullest in the Great North and also in his free time besides all the cool things that he has done already he enjoys photography exploring the great outdoors cross-country skiing and also mixology So we're super thrilled to have Dan with us today. So without further ado, let's dive into this conversation.
1: Hello everyone. So today we have a very special guest for you. His name is Dan. I'll just kick us off by asking him to introduce himself and tell us a little bit about you outside of academia specifically um, and what you do for fun.
2: Sure. Uh, Hello everyone. It's a pleasure to be on the podcast. My name is uh, Yang Shen, and I go by Daniel or Dan, uh, so you guys could call me Daniel or Dan. Both are fine. So I uh, was born in China. I moved uh, to Toronto when I was 11 and kind of spent my, I guess, intelligent life <laughs> in uh, Toronto, Canada. And then I came to the States. I went to Harvard for a college undergraduate degree and then did a uh, gap year between college and med school. And now I'm a third year at uh, Columbia Uh, medical school and uh, in the Columbia Bassett track. So, what I do for fun, that is a great question. (laughs) Um, So I like being in the uh, outdoors, you know, any outdoors activity, skiing, um, snowboarding, hiking, camping, things like that. Um, Sometimes when I have time, I also uh, do some like sketching drawings, things like that. And um, I almost always have music on in the background. Yeah, I'd, I'd say those are some of the things that you can know about me.
1: <laughs> I have to ask what kind of music?
2: What kind of music? Mm-hmm. Uh, everything really. I, uh, <laughs> I'm studying a lot. As you all know, in medical school, we study a lot. So uh, mostly it's just kind of uh, instrumental soundtracks uh, in the background. I go for some Hans Zimmer, uh, classic you know just put that up and then uh if uh I feel really needing some motivation uh i'll put on some uh, lord of the rings uh, to help me get through uh you know studying yeah
0: yeah i can say you know studying in my is definitely like a quest just like lord of the rings i <laughs> like after 2022 RAPT came out on my spotify yeah like my most listened to is like lo-fi beats so therefore, you would never see me like uploading my 2022 wrapped on my computer at, or on my Instagram at all, because it's not the most in- interesting garner to you know put it out, out there. I think you said a lot about your being outdoors and really love getting involved in like physical activities. And I think that is something super important as just mm-hmm. part of life, but also very important in medical school we saw also on your resume like you were involved in rowing hiking and kendo and just wondering tell us a little bit about your work-life balance during medical school and how do you ensure productivity while enjoying all these hobbies
2: so i i think it's definitely very hard um to maintain that work-life balance in medical school and i, I mean also in college and in real life as well you know because in real life people also have a job you know the work-life balance thing. uh it's it's, it's hard I think at some point for me, it just becomes almost like a habit to do something, to like go to the gym, to run on the treadmill 40 minutes every day. And then once that habit, you know, becomes a thing, it just feels strange for me to not do it. Like when I'm not on the treadmill for like a day, I feel really kind of out of sorts, it's kind of like a, it's just like a feeling that I need to be active. And I think you get that by just, like I said, developing this habit. And in terms of the outdoors things, um, I can't say that I've done that much in medical school just because, you know, it's like living in New York City, it's not very outdoors friendly (laughs) Um, unless you go to Central Park. So I try to do, you know, what I can. Um, I joined like the um, outdoors orientation program, kind of doing like these trips uh, for the incoming uh, newbies, I guess, uh, to the medical school. Uh, and we take them hiking, uh, things like that. And then I do really uh, spend a lot of time in Central Park, and I felt like that was kind of like an escape uh, from the city. And I think that also plays into one of the reasons why I chose the uh, Basset program, because it's in a more you know rural location in upstate New York, and there's a lot more nature around you and a whole lot less people. And then, so I think the environment in which I'm in right now also facilitates me um, being able to follow my habit of, you know, working on my physical health.
1: So a follow up question on that: You said you don't go a day without doing your running or walking on treadmill. Are you a flashcard? Anki is uh, is Anki a flashcard? It is, right? Uh,
2: yeah, Anki's yeah.
1: yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh. <laughs> So, are you an Anki on the treadmill
2: kind of guy or not? Not really. No, no, I I, I don't do any anky on treadmills. Actually, this past year, I haven't really done anki. just because um you know it's interesting how how like I, I guess our program works because we don't do things in blocks. We do it longitudinally. So one day I'll be seeing patients in the gynecology clinic. The next day I'll be seeing kids in pediatrics. Next day I'm gonna be doing like a surgery with a surgeon, and so. Basically, it's like my entire year is like doing Anki because I'm constantly like reviewing all these different sorts of things, right? So I I kind of stopped doing Anki and also it's just really time consuming. But um, what I do though on the treadmill is uh, and working out is I do enjoy like listening to music while I work out and then also um, a lot of great podcasts. Yeah, I feel like that is one kind of uh, a hidden Easter egg in medical education is the amount of amazing podcasts that are out there.
0: Yeah, I really recently discovered one of my friends runs miles and miles listening to podcasts. And I was never someone that did it. And I tried it for the first time. First, I started in the gym. And then I just remember listening to like clinical problem solvers. Yep. I realized, wow, like, I can focus on part of it like a certain part I remember, but like all of that, just walk, having the knowledge washing over you. And then you still remember bits and pieces. and think it's pretty interesting, but definitely was something new for me. Cause I always start with something more like upbeat, different RPMs, try to get into the mindset of workout. And then I feel like, oh wow, podcast is definitely something new and I've never experienced before. I really like it.
2: Yeah, Yeah. yeah. I don't know. I feel like I don't retain like probably I retain maybe 40% of the material, and that's good enough for me. Yeah, exactly.
0: <laughs> All right. And then next question, I think we're going to transition a little bit into a question that you know you have been asked so many times, probably during medical school interviews, and you're probably tired of it, and you probably have an answer for us. We want to ask, you know, what got you interested in medicine? And later on, I have a second follow-up question in terms of, you know, uh, current your current program.
2: Sure, yeah. I actually haven't really uh, had to think about this for a while (laughs) people have stopped asking me, you know, since they know I'm like in my clinical year. So, well, I guess going back to way in the beginning, like, you know, in middle school, high school, I was very interested in like science and math. And I knew that I, you know, this is kind of what I loved. And I wanted this to be a part of my life, like science, you know, chemistry, biology. I loved it. And especially biology because like you know, I, I like being in the outdoors, you know, like seeing animals and whatever. So um, biology always fascinated me. So there was kind of that, you know, the seed that's planted there. And then in high school, I uh, volunteered at uh, Sunnybrook Hospital, which is this hospital in Toronto, and uh, kind of in their um, dialysis unit. And that was very meaningful for me, because um, I felt like I just got to be a part of the patient's lives. And then there was actually, so there was a, a requirement In order for us to graduate, we had to fulfill a certain number of volunteer hours. So then I was like looking at more kind of these clinical volunteer opportunities in high school to graduate. And then I stumbled upon this ad on another hospital looking for like a volunteer research assistant to run a trauma surgery study. And then I was like, what is this? I was um, like 17 or 18 at the time. And then I applied and then they accepted me. Uh, You know, I I was completely shocked because it's like... This is like trauma surgery. And then so I was like literally in the front lines in the trauma OR, basically triaging patients in a way, just like trying to see them to enroll them in our study. And that was a very intense experience for me um, when I was fairly young, I guess, 17, 18. And, you know, and then I felt I just felt like it was so meaningful to be there on the front line to be a part of the team that is trying to save somebody's life. And so, so then the interest in medicine from that point grew even more. And then I think in college, I also, I mean, I decided to kind of keep my options open. I considered, you know, international relations, diplomacy, uh, among other things, but then it just it was just never as, as good as, you know, biology or kind of the problems in healthcare that interested me. So I think there's the, intellectual draw for me for medicine. Uh and then and then also it's just like I, I I just I think it's really nice to just help people. Um even though it, it might be a cliche answer, but I think deep down everybody wants to do that who go into medicine. Not only is that, but you're also the leader of a team because you know you're organizing everything. You're the leader. And I like that aspect as well of like being able to organize things, design things and innovate. So based on these things, I th- I thought medicine was the right thing for me. And uh, it's been great so far.
0: <laughs> That's great. And I think we kind of alluded to your current program that you're in, like the Bassett program. Can you mm-hmm. tell us a bit of, you know, why you chose specifically this track? And has this track kind of reinforced your journey in medicine? Um, like, what's your favorite thing about being in this program right now?
2: My favorite thing? Um, So the reason why I chose this track, it's also kind of a funny story. So my freshman year, my roommate, he grew up in Cooperstown. And he invited me home to spend my first American Thanksgiving with him, with his family. And at the time I was pre-med, you know, I was considering this. And then I actually met two doctors who work in the Bassett healthcare system uh, at kind of their gathering. And uh they said I should consider applying. And I was totally shocked because I thought, well, you know, this is kind of like a little place in the middle of nowhere. Is there a hospital here even? And then they took me to see the hospital and it was actually pretty big. And I was shocked to see that there was like such like a, you know, like a high quality like hospital system in place in this place, kind of in the middle of nowhere. And so that planted the seed in my mind. And then when it came to applying for the massive program, I started just uh, you know, reading about it on the website, everything about it written on the website really resonated with me. It was as if like this person knew me better than myself. Like I had that feeling. Whoever wrote this like stuff on the website, and so I was like, I'm in. So uh, I applied, and uh, yeah, I I I got it, and uh, I'm happy to be here. And I think the other important thing for me is. You know, because I didn't grow up in the US, I wanted to spend some time to understand America for what it is. And I think it's fair to say that there are two Americas there's the urban America and then there's the rural America. And, you know, I don't have to tell you, you can just base things off of, you know, current events to see the difference. But there is a difference. And I wanted to find out what, you know, life is like here. Yeah. And to have a relationship with a community that's very different from what I'm used to having grown up in bigger cities. That's also another reason.
1: Yeah, for sure. Having like that experience working in the urban area as well as rural area will definitely make you a better physician and be able to relate to your patients better. So it's amazing that you're doing both. And for our listeners who might be wondering, could you tell us a little more about the specialty choice within the Basset program? If you're doing that, does that mean that you're Interested in primary care or like what specialties does the program entail?
2: Mm -hmm. So it's a common misconception that everybody who goes to the bachelor program ends up doing primary care. So I would say that in terms of the actual residency application, usually every year there's maybe one or two people and then the rest do other things like psychiatry, internal medicine. Actually, those two are probably the most popular, psychiatry and internal medicine. And then every year, there's usually somebody who does emergency medicine as well. But I think the program attracts a certain type of people who really emphasizes the relationship aspect of medicine, kind of this longitudinal aspect, community aspect of medicine. And so I guess no matter what we end up doing, there's always this part of us that's kind of like a primary care doctor and think about things in a primary care way. But yeah, I mean, to all the listeners out there, um, there's no specific thing or track that you have to do after graduating from this program, and uh, yeah, the world's your oyster.
1: <laughs> so, which category are you in? Are you in the primary care maybe category, or are you in the other category in the passive program? What is your like? What is your future? aspiration look like in terms of specialty and also practice setting because you said that you've sampled both urban side of medicine and rural side of medicine do you have an idea of like what your ideal practice setting would look like maybe like 10 to 15 years down the road
2: yeah so um I'll answer your second question first I don't think I'm gonna live in a rural place and practice in a rural setting I think there's a part of me that really loves to do like academic and research And I think those opportunities are a bit lacking in rural places. Now, there are definitely great rural programs like Dartmouth, right, that are excellent in terms of their research. Now, could I consider that? Yeah, maybe, sure. But I think after staying here for a year, it's just, you know, the things I'm thinking about for my future, um, I'll probably spend most of my time, at least, in urban centers. But there is the option of doing locums, and that I would definitely consider. Um, doing locums like short term you know maybe two three months um, at a more rural location yeah Uh, so to the first question right now (laughs) it's actually uh, very interesting right now I think I'm either going to do orthopedic surgery or neurology and those are two entirely different things (laughs) but I think there are aspects of them that I, I really enjoyed I think they're both very very anatomical You know you got your localization neurology with your very elegant physical exam and in orthopedics as well very anatomical and um i loved anatomy preclinical year and i was one of those guys who just wouldn't leave the lab and then i was just thinking about it i was like huh well maybe this tells me something and i also loved the or i just felt like i don't know just like time flows differently in the or and it's kind of a strange feeling um, it's almost like you're 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 meditating. <laughs> I don't know it sounds strange because you know you're like doing crazy stuff and you know you're like stressed all the time. But it's very you know Zen meditative for me uh, to be there. And I think you know my personality is I I like solving mysteries. And so neurology has probably you know, every case is a mystery in neurology. And uh, and as for I guess I said what I said before about the the kind of the primary care aspect in basically all the Bassett students. Well, I shouldn't generalize to all the students, but, you know, at least in me, I would say there is an aspect of primary care, and that's important for me. And so I think both of those are great in that that regard, because, you know, as the population ages, you're going to have more and more musculoskeletal and more and more neurologic problems. You know, you have your arthritis and all of those things. And, you know, there's really an opportunity within both fields, I think, engage with preventive medicine and kind of enhanced healthcare before the patients even show up to your door. I do think that there is a real emphasis in both orthopedics and neurology on that right now, as I read kind of articles from both specialties. So uh, excited about both. Haven't decided uh, which one I guess I'll finally des- <laughs> do.
0: Strangely enough, like the connection that you have made, is really interesting because I think one of the most elegant Neurological exam that I've seen or I've heard was done by an orthopedic surgeon, which
1: oh, is very yeah.
0: interesting. Yeah, like they were trying to diagnose someone's like balance and just like inner ear, and then they were doing a lot of maneuvers that like most of the neurologists were like, "Wow, they didn't expect an orthopedic surgeon to be the one." <laughs> um, that was very interesting. um But also, I think you know, definitely it takes time and to figure out, and also like you'll have a lot of time. Um, But I do want to ask a bit about like something you talked about is, you know, this problem of um, like being practicing a rural health setting for the past year, but also coming from a background that you received all your education, urban centers. I was wondering, um, what are some of the unique health challenges that you have noticed maybe during your, you know, clerkship at the current setting? Is that something that you're passionate about in the future or is, um, or like in the future, what, you know, what type of healthcare issues and healthcare problems that you might want to tackle as attending or someone in a leadership position?
2: Yeah, sure. Um, one thing is a kind of obvious thing, I guess, is something some people have termed the tyranny of distance. I I read about this in the article once, but I think it's really, it's a really great phrase, the tyranny of distance or the tyranny of geography. And just by virtue of being in somewhere that's far right from things, you, you know, you you will have a lack of access to care. Like the patients that I see, the farthest actually, you know, maybe come from like an hour and a half drive away. And then you add, you know, maybe inflation, then you add rising oil costs and gasoline costs, and they can't show up the clinic. And that is you know, pretty evident. And then I think, then there's also the economic factor, because, you know, there are, I think, in general, less economic opportunities in some of the rural locations, you know, people have to work harder, you know, to feed themselves. And they can't necessarily (laughs) do the things that you tell, you know, you tell the patient to do, or, Uh, They can't necessarily follow up with appointments. And that's to no fault of their own own because it's just that their life is like this because they have to work, right? So they can't take work off. And, you know, I I, I remember seeing a patient who went to the ER and of like knee pain. And he's had this for like two years. And we, we found out it was like a meniscus tear. And then this elderly man just kept himself in pain for two years. And the reason I asked him why, He only came to see us now, and he said, "I don't have a mode of transportation, like because he lives alone. You know, he can't depend on others to transport him to drive like two hours to the best hospital to get the X-ray to do all this workup. So there's the tyranny of distance plus the economic factor, and then also there's one of the other big problem is the lack of specialists." and actually in generalist as well. So the problem with, you know, rural medicine right now, I think in America, at least, and probably elsewhere in the world is that <laughs> there's just a lack of doctors in general. But I'm going to take neurology for an example. So the Bassett, say, healthcare network has maybe two to three neurologists, and they see people from, you know, the size of the state of Connecticut, and the problem with neurology these days it's become highly specialized so there aren't a whole lot of generalist neurologists around right and so the problem with rural locations is they need general neurologists and so if we're not even training them in residency anymore who is going to come and serve these communities you know even if they want to there's nobody who are actually trained you know I shouldn't say nobody there's very few programs that are training general neurologists, and that's a problem. And then there are the specialists. So dermatologists, your rheumatologists, the system has maybe two to three dermatologists, or rheumatologists, and there's a huge backlog of patients. You know, the time it takes really to see a dermatologist say, from the time you make that phone call to your actually booked the appointment is about six to seven months in a real place like upstate New York versus for me, like I go back to the city, my weight is maybe a month, you know, so it's just a very stark contrast. And that's, that's the reality. And as to what I want to do about it. So um, one thing is actually, it's really interesting. So we uh, have uh, this teleneurology service. So there's a lot of telemedicine these days. And I just so happen to be very into like, Technology, computers, uh, healthcare informatics. You now, this is a very exciting area, telemedicine, telehealth, and the digitization of healthcare. Especially now you have, you know, your artificial intelligence coming in. I think this is going to be a very exciting area in the future. And no matter what I end up doing research in, finally, you know, if if it's just basic science or like, I don't know, clinical research, I think uh the technology piece is going to be a big part of what I want to do in the future and that's one way that I you know I can stay I can help people no matter where they are right so
1: yeah no that's awesome and we were looking at some of your interests and you also mentioned that you're interested in AI in healthcare in technology in writing. we saw that you had published some of um children's books um while at harvard which is really interesting and now you're pursuing healthcare and trying to find a way to combine all of your interests and that got me curious to ask you about what you were like when you were younger so could you tell us about what young dan was like was he as curious as you are and how have you evolved to become the kind of person you are involved in so many different facets and still keeping up while doing med school
2: i guess how young do you want me to go (laughs) we can be here all day all night no just kidding Uh... (laughs) I would really credit my interest in so many different things to my parents. You know, from very young, like, they encouraged me to read, um, like, history, science, dinosaurs, you know, everything. And then I think what is really special is that they, um, when they have a vacation, they would take me to actually see things that I read about in books. And that was a huge thing for me because it's like, wow, it's like (laughs) this T-Rex is actually real. It's not just some like fake stuff on this book i read and so uh i think from there um my upbringing w- with my parents uh that played a huge part into who i am today just curious about you know many different things yeah and and i was able to kind of keep the you know the curiosity in me through my entire life and i kind of did like <laughs> things that not a whole lot of people would uh think about like i i went to the uh, I guess, the Canadian subarctic for a year after college. I think that was a bit shocking even to my parents. <laughs> and um, yeah, just, you know, explore what the world is like. Uh, it's it's huge. Yeah it's, uh, yeah, it's fascinating just to learn more about like different cultures and knowledge, history, and uh, all of that.
0: Yeah. I cannot let that, let that experience just slip by. Uh, you know, we noticed that on your resume and I was so interested in your gap year experience when you're in Yellowknife. And can you tell us a bit of the experience, what has been the most transformative for you in terms of, you know, experience, but also like you as a person and also what would you say to others who are thinking about gap years? I've gotten a lot of people asking me, what should I do to both boots have a resume but also like I always tell them to follow your passion so it seems like your gaping experience is something that isn't quite the ordinary within the pre-med track or just um so I was wondering uh what made you chose that and also what has it taught you in terms of um your journey as a as a human being and as a medical doctor
2: yeah so the way I did this thing was so I there were some fellowships, postgraduate fellowships that I could apply to, and while I was applying to medical school, I also applied to those things because I thought, you know, gee, you know, it'd be nice to just have some free money for me to go wherever I want, you know, <laughs> and uh, and to be honest, I was kind of um, you know feeling burned out uh, during the towards the end of college, you know, just dealing with medical school, writing a thesis, doing research. And um, the college life, kind of this hyper-stimulation, this hyper-stimulated environment. And um, I was looking for a way to step off from the the struggle bus, if you will, (laughs) or the hustle bus or the hustle train, and uh, to see something different, to do something different. And that's kind of one of the reasons why I chose Yellowknife, because it was remote, know i i wasn't even sure like if there were like polar bears there or like what's the situation you know i i really don't know that much didn't know that much and i ended up deferring a year so i i told columbia's like hey i you know i wanted to do this and they were very supportive so i think you know for the listeners out there that's something that you definitely can consider you know if 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 you are passionate about something if you want to do something you know and You want to apply to medical school at the same time. And if you have the bandwidth to do that, you know, for sure. And I think a lot of medical schools are very amenable to requests for deferrals, as long as you have a legitimate reason, legitimate as in it's legitimate for yourself, not for, you know, other people to judge. Uh, Because I had a classmate who deferred actually three years uh, to come to medical school because he was training for the U.S. men's rowing team, uh, the Olympic rowing team. But Anyways, so yeah, definitely think about um, or be not afraid of asking about deferring uh, is what I would say. So the, I think the main reason why I chose Yellowknife was because I wanted to learn more about the, uh, the indigenous side of Canada. And uh, right now, this is kind of like, if I could use the word zeitgeist, probably the zeitgeist of Canada in the 2020s. And uh, right now we're just uh, the whole country, I guess, is grappling with what to do about its colonial legacy and what to do about all these things that happened to the people in the past. Uh, And how do we come together as one country and to move forward into the future? And mixed in with all of that is like all these strands of land claims and environmentalism and what does it mean? you to conserve the environment and how should we exactly do it in the meanwhile right like not depriving people of their livelihoods and still having economic prosperity and so i had all these questions in my mind oh and i should say then there is also another big thing is i was interested in knowing a little bit more about kind of the indigenous healthcare in general and the indigenous way of knowing uh, of healing And I think that's just a part of me of who I am. I'm always interested in learning about other cultures and how they view the world. And I felt like, you know, I'm a newcomer to Canada, so better pay my dues, my respects to the original people who are from here. And Yellowknife and the North in Canada is where a lot of indigenous culture is very thriving because you know, greater than 50% of the population in the Northwest Territories is indigenous and I don't think that's found anywhere else in America where the majority of you could think about it like a province or a state isn't indigenous but again I could be wrong (laughs) Uh, don't quote me on this yeah so that's why I went and uh, I think I just I was looking for something different a different way of education education by experiential learning as opposed to just reading articles reading books Yeah. And for me, I would say I got, you know, kind of what I was hoping for to learn more about what like the indigenous side of Canada. And also, um, I think that became more like balanced as a person in general. And another important thing is there's huge value, probably underestimated value in knowing how to be alone. And how to be alone, but not be lonely. That is, I think, very, people don't really talk about that, but I think that is an essential life skill for people to learn. Um, And I think that's something I also learned about myself Uh, in the North is how to be alone, but not lonely.
1: Yeah, there's so many questions that I have after listening to your really cool gap year experience. Um, I also didn't know that you deferred and had applied to medical school while you're in your senior year of college that probably was very stressful because there's the capstone project, there's the MCAT, there's the whole application process. So I'm glad that you got to like rejuvenate a little bit before starting medical school. And I had a question about some of the things that you were involved in while at Harvard, um, specifically your experience in the world of startups. I read that you had started a project with um, Harvard Innovation Lab on genetically modifying bacteria to digest um, plastic waste. And you were talking about your environmental your love for like environmental protection and um, in general, just like minimizing waste. So could you tell us how you got into that project and and like how you envision using this technology in the future? Not necessarily you, but like in general, how this technology (laughs) could be used.
2: (laughs) Sure. Yeah. So um, I was one of the club leaders of the iGEM club, International Genetically Engineered Machines and this is like a big organization that promotes basically biological and synthetic biology that's the term you know i i loved biology uh so i was like you know best way to learn is by fidgeting with it (laughs) so then that's what we all did you know a bunch of nerds and we just uh played around with biology and it was a pretty incredible experience because you know i was like managing the fund i was talking to the engineering school i was talking to the medical school who gave us the funding And uh, it's really a team effort. And then we also had our own lab space in the engineering school. And that was pretty cool. It's like, oh, I'm running my own lab. (laughs) Uh, But I would say that I initially I wasn't very involved in the project. I was more like just kind of the club leader. And then um, so these projects people work on a team work on it for a summer. And um, so after the summer ended, everybody kind of just like wiped their hands clean, you know, they just back, went back to their normal college lives, and they kind of left the project. And I just told my friend, uh, I, I said, hey, it's like, this is like really cool. Like, <laughs> uh, imagine no more waste, you know. And so we took the project, we went to find mentors, professors who were sponsor us. Yeah, and uh, we found somebody who was very into this kind of stuff like he was a um, professor in like deep sea biology and he also had experience in like entrepreneurship and stuff so he decided to mentor us he gave us some lab space and so we just um, I guess we went ham with the project we just tried to play around with the bacteria to see if we could uh, make them either way plastic yeah I guess we didn't really have any <laughs> I guess scalable solution to the problem but the cool thing that oh, at least I'm proud of is we uh, found this random bacteria that grows on like plants. And it's like a bacteria that like is anti like pest. And so it's been studying a lot in agriculture. So and then we just asked like these agriculture professors to send us samples and we test this, this bacteria. And then we found that it actually could digest plastic. So that in itself opens a lot of doors to further things and a lot of mysterious questions like why would this bacteria found in the middle of a plant or in you know in in nature be able to digest a synthetic plastic I mean that was great I mean it was I was working in the lab until like 2 a.m but you know in the end it was worth it because we discovered something new Uh, or we thought was something new (laughs) turns out it wasn't we were the second team to Proof that they could digest plastic. There was somebody who published a paper earlier. And I think, but more, more importantly, I think what the experience taught me was how to work with people, how to sell your idea to people, um, try to get them to help you, to you know, fund you money, to give you lab space. And it's just about having a good experience together, working as a team for a similar goal. And I think that in itself ended up being probably the more important thing than the actual results which was just this (laughs) plant bacteria that we found could digest one specific type of plastic yeah
0: all right thanks so much for sharing so much of the these very serious and deep philosophical questions um we are going to transition to kind of the last segment we kind of put together kind of a fun four final questions that we have for you. These are less serious. And you know, if you want to elaborate your answers, you can, but if you just want to answer it like short and simple, that's fully totally okay as well. So we are going to start off with the first one. If you have to name this chapter of your life, how would you title it?
2: I've not prepared for this great question.
0: Um I think we have had someone that just used the word train rack. Um, that's totally okay.
2: <laughs> so, you know. I think it would just be growing, I guess. That's the word I would use. Yeah,
1: Growing is good. Do you want to elaborate or just sure. keep
2: it? Yeah, I just feel like every day in medical school, I am learning something new and it doesn't even have to be medical school. It could be about myself. It could be about my friends, my family, you know, anything in the world, world affair or whatever. And yeah, it's, it's just like such an amazing period of growth. So that's, that's, That's why I chose the word (laughs) grow.
1: Yeah, Yeah, that's awesome. So our second question is, so we saw that you were interested in mixology. I hope I'm saying that right. So we're wondering what is your favorite drink to make or what's the coolest drink that you have made for someone or yourself, you know?
2: Uh, Okay. So my favorite drink to make is um, probably the Moscow Mule. It's a classic crowd pleaser and it's pretty simple to make. Uh, provided you have the right ingredients, and the coolest drink I made for other people. Um, so I once had this, I guess, July Fourth party, and there are these shots that you can do called uh, July Fourth shots, and it's three different types of liquor, and it's white, blue, and red. If you are skilled enough, you can layer them without them mixing with each other, and like the American flag. And so that's probably the coolest thing I've done. I haven't done that in a long time though <laughs> that
1: definitely sounds really cool <laughs> all
0: right third question um if you were not training to be a doctor what would you like to be besides a mythologist
2: um I'd probably be like a like a freelance photographer maybe like working submitting stuff to National Geographic <laughs> that kind of person
1: yeah okay our last but definitely one of our um, more fun questions is what is a guilty pleasure that you have which is terrible for your health as a, <laughs> you know, as a physician
2: oh uh, um I don't know eating chocolate I um
1: Not too bad <laughs> <laughs> well it depends on how much I guess
2: yeah no I I there was a period of time like during medical school where I would eat chocolate like every morning it's become like a like a habit for me. Um, but then I realized that eh, it's probably not so good that I'm eating so much chocolate, like you know, like a slab every morning. In so, addition
0: yeah. to breakfast or in place of breakfast. In, in addition, in,
2: in addition. Uh-huh. This is always at
0: the end of breakfast.
1: Mm. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I was just gonna say, like I guess when you're studying a lot you need glucose, but
0: <laughs> and endorphins. I, I think it's yeah really, and
1: endorphins. endorphins. Exactly.
0: It's really good all right thank you so much for sharing with us you know we have uh learned so much and just your journey you know coming to the U.S. and currently in this program and all just outside of your medical school self also have learned so much and our last thing before you go we want to grab some wisdom like you know all the wisdom you have already shared we want to grab like a final piece is if you were to leave our listeners with so one thing you want them to take away from your journey from, you know, from everything you have done, whether it's success or failure or just unique uh, experience, what would that be? So this is something
2: that uh, a piece of wisdom, one of the speakers uh, shared with me at my college graduation. He probably uh, put it more eloquently than I could, but basically the gist is take a chance in serendipity and what he means is there are all these like little things that'll come to you in your life and sometimes like you just have to believe in serendipity and just be like I'm gonna go for this thing and you never know where it's gonna lead you and I feel like that's true for my life like I've had I'm sitting here because of all these little things that happened to me and I took a chance on them so yeah
1: yeah, thank you so much for sharing um your experiences that really profound quote that I hope our listeners are going to be very motivated by listening to it as I am just take a chance on yourself bet on yourself because if you don't then who is going to um and you might you know you might end up at a position like Dan is in right now and um pursue your specialty of dreams. So thank you so much for your time you've been more than generous um and yeah
2: Oh, thank you. It's a pleasure speaking with you both.
0: Rugby. since, uh, you know, you introduced us to Dan today, I want to ask you after we have interviewed him, what do you like the most
1: about this episode? Oh, man, so many things to choose from. Um, But I guess the moral of the story from this episode, I would say, is that you can't really pour from an empty cup. Um, So how, you know, Dan took his physical and mental health seriously before medical school and also in medical school, Um, the deferring of the medical school part, I feel like was a super mature decision. I feel like not many people would um, take that. So I really like that he was able to, you know, take care of himself on this journey while He's learning to take care of other people so i would say that was the most um that was my favorite part
0: yeah i completely agree the i can attest to this as a medical student and now you know in the middle of my phd how important uh, physical and emotional demand uh physical and emotional health is to all of us and particularly people in the healthcare profession um and this is somewhat unprecedented in this day and age in the wake of you know pandemic and also the increased work demand from healthcare professionals. And I definitely know how great it always feels when I can achieve a great work-life balance and have time to focus on me. Um, But speaking of work-life balance, I wanna introduce you to our next speaker, um, Jia Yi Grace Lee, who is currently a second year medical student in Liberty University School of Osteopathic Medicine. She will share with us her journey from China to the US, interest in integrating music with medicine and also how she discovered her passion for forensic pathology which is super interesting and i personally have a lot of interest in this so this is an episode i really looking forward to
1: and she is also the first do student that is coming to our podcast so i'm hoping that listeners can learn learn more about what being a do student means and what that whole process um, is going to be like so stay tuned and we will see you in two weeks episodes will be released every other week on Fridays at 9 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. Make sure you're connected with us on Instagram and Twitter, as we would love to hear from you on social media.
0: Please also give us a rating on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Your support means a lot to us.